So, so this morning here in our text in the book of Luke chapter 24, we, um, Jesus has, has been crucified. He is risen from the grave. Um, Jesus has walked on the road to Emmaus with two men who were searching for something. He has explained things beginning at Moses. It, the Bible says that he expounded on the scriptures and he taught them. And he was invited to dinner that evening and he broke bread with them. When he broke bread with them, they, they recognized who he was. And then they returned to Jerusalem and they, they got with the eleven. And they were telling them that Jesus had risen from the grave. And, and as they're speaking, Jesus enters into the room. I want to begin reading here in verse number 44 of Luke chapter 24. Jesus speaking, he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, that that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You're witnesses of these things. And behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. They worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Well, I want to look a little bit more at that story. If you turn on over to Acts chapter 1, we want to look at that just, just a little bit more before we get started this morning. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. Truly John baptized with water. She shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Jesus has risen from the grave. He spent 40 days with his disciples and hundreds of others giving some instructions. He has ascended into the heaven. He has told them that the Holy Spirit would come on the 50th day afterwards, on the day of Pentecost. We know that the Holy Spirit has fallen and the church age begins. So I want to look at a message for a few minutes this morning on what now? God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good. 
Thank you for loving us the way that you do, God. Thank you for loving us in spite of us. Thank you for your sweet Holy Spirit, God. Walks with us, guides us, holds us up in the storm, walks us through the valleys, calms the storms of life. God, I thank you so much that we can come to you in prayer. God, I pray now you'd be with us in these next few minutes. God, I ask you, would you move in this place? I pray that mountains would be moved, chains would be broken, God, and some storms would be calm. I pray that you'd touch us, your people, God, right here in this place. We pray most of all that you and you alone would be pleased. God, we love you. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus died on the cross. Amen. Was buried. Rose on the third day. That's the Easter story. I assume everybody's heard it. We celebrated it last week to a full house and you know, it's amazing to me the most attended Sunday of the year is Easter and the least attended Sunday of the year is the week after. But it's because we got all those women on the road, right? That's what it is. And all the husbands have been up all night praying for them so they were a little tired and couldn't be in this morning. But after Easter, what, what, what about now? Well, what about the rest of the year? Well, what about the things that, that God has in store for us now? Jesus lived on this earth. He called his disciples. He gave them instructions. I'm pretty sure after walking on this earth with the disciples and, and they're seeing the miracles and they're, they're caught up in the fullness of all that Christ is doing, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not the only one. I'm sure some of you have tried to wonder before what must it have been like to have been walking with the one that Bartimaeus cried out, and thou son of David, have mercy on me. And he gave sight to have been walking with the man that the ten lepers came. And that he sent them to show themselves to the priest. And the leprosy went away or, or, or to, to cause the, the, the deaf to hear. Can you imagine walking with Jesus, the excitement that was there? Can you imagine just the feeling of being around him? But then he's crucified. And now their Lord's gone. Their master, the one that they placed everything in, is gone. Seems like to me they would have had to have wondered, what now? What, what, do, what do we do now that Jesus is gone? But remember, on the third day, he's going to rise again, right? So on the third day, he comes back, and he spends 40 days teaching them all these things, and, and he's spending some time with them, and he has some, some fish with them, and, and, and he tells them things. And then here he is on, this, on the side of the mountain, and he's taking up into the clouds, and like, man, he was here, and we didn't know what, and then he came back, and said, I wonder if they thought, what now? In the book of Acts, the disciples, they go back to Jerusalem, and they wait there, as Jesus told them to, for the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, the one that Jesus promised would come. They went, and they waited on the 50th day, which is the day of Pentecost. The number 50 is always the number of the Holy Spirit. It is after the seven weeks of seven, the Feast of Weeks, to fulfill everything that the Holy Spirit comes as a rushing mighty wind, and he falls there in the place, and they are filled with the Spirit. But what now? You and I, traveling along in this life, we're, we're lost in our sins and on our way to hell. Anybody agree? So, so there's some things that had to happen. Number one, we had to realize that, that we're lost. I mean, you can't be found until you realize that you're lost, right? We, we, we realize that, that we need a Savior. We realize that we were sinners because the Word of God 
told us we were in Romans 3.23, for all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. So we know that we're all sinners, and for that reason, we are in our sin and separated from God. We also know that the Word of God goes on and tells in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. And God allows us to see that that death is separation from God, which is a place called hell. That's not talking about the physical death. That's talking about an eternal death. That's talking about the, the, the second death. So, so we learned that, that there was the, the gift of God was Jesus Christ our Lord. God has put a gift in place. Now, realizing those things, Romans 10, 9 says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we confess our sins that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we trust him as our personal Lord and Savior. But then there's step two, we're to be baptized. The, the Bible says that for us as Christians that we are to be baptized after salvation. If you were baptized when you were young and you've never been saved, you weren't baptized, you were just wet. You can get wet every Sunday. It has nothing to do. Baptism is not part of the process of being saved. It is a result of being saved. We are baptized to tell the whole world, hey, I want you to know what I've done. I've trusted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I have been buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. I'm a new creature. Old things have passed away, and I want everybody to know it. You know, the word baptism, it means to immerse. It's not a sprinkling. It's not a, not a dipping. It means to immerse. It means to cover, to saturate, or to bury. So to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is to be totally surrounded. It is to be saturated with the Holy Spirit. You know, when a person is dipped underwater, when they are placed completely under, they are fully surrounded by water. They are saturated. Their clothes, everything about them is saturated, their hair, so that when they come up, they are wet and they know it. A person who is saved, born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, is baptized, saturated, soaked with the feeling of the Holy Spirit, and they know it. You don't have to wonder if you're saved, if you're truly saved. You are saturated with the Holy Spirit of God. You know everything in you changed. You know the day when it changed, when everything became new. If you don't know that day, you need to do some self-examination. If there's not a day in your life when everything changed, and you know that old things passed away, old habits, old desires, old language, old um, beverages, anything that you felt was pulling you away from God, those things begin to change. And it wasn't as hard. You know, a lot of things you, we tried to quit before, right? But you just couldn't until the Holy Spirit came in and took over. And now we're saturated with the Holy Spirit. So if we're saturated, we're going to know it. But what now? Well, Jesus answered the question when he stood there with the disciples, Matthew chapter 28 Verse 19 and 20 says that he told them to go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. The bottom line is we're to tell the world about Jesus. But, I, but I'm just me, right? I, I, I'm not good at that kind of thing. Any, anybody ever hear that? 
I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not good at, at doing that. Well, well, here's a freebie for you. It's not us that's who's going to do it anyway. If we will just initiate the conversation, it is the Holy Spirit that will do it through us so we don't have to do those things. People ask the question all the time, how do I do that? How do I initiate the conversation? Free question, how many people are saved? Amen, thank you, Jesus. How many saved people remember the day? Mm -hmm. How many saved people are excited that you're saved? Hell is no longer our home. We deserve it, but we won't ever get it. Christ has gone to prepare a place for us that where he is, he's going to come back and get us and take us to that place that we'll be there with him also. We have some things to be excited about. What about this one? Anybody ever go on a vacation? And I mean, it was like that was the one. I mean, it was a great. You ever been on that kind of vacation? Like, man, that was awesome. I remember the first time Robin and I ever went on a cruise. We, we went to Alaska. We spent a week with my sister, and then we took that Inland Passage cruise. Man, breathtaking. Breathtaking. It was absolutely amazing. I remember a few years later, we'd done a few cruises, and we wanted to go to, to Hawaii. And um, they do the island cruise over there that goes to the different islands. I remember talking to JB and Angie. They told us about Haleakala. And then the name of it, Haleakala, is like the, the volcano it goes up and they off the cruise, you can do the sunrise experience, and you go up, and, and I learned something. You can easily become a statistic that you were unaware of. You can freeze to death in Hawaii. Yeah, I never knew that, but it is for reason cold. It's like a volcano. It's not like mountains and you work way up. It's just a point out there. But you go up there, and, and you, you watch the sunrise from on top of that thing. You're above the clouds. You go, what's so amazing about a sunrise? Well, you just have to be there. It's just one of those things you just have to experience. I remember Main Island, Hawaii. I remember we took a helicopter ride, and, and, and it's going over the mainland. They've done hundreds of movies there. I remember showing where the gates. Anybody see Jurassic Park? You know the gates at Jurassic Park? They cared. So the gates were right there, and you could see it all. That was pretty cool. And we went, and the helicopter comes up over. There's this big ravine. It's, really, it's just it's a three, like three corners fully surrounded, and the helicopter, the music was playing from Jurassic Park. And it came, and it turned, and it dropped down in it, and there were hundreds of waterfalls all the way around us down in that helicopter. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You took pictures of stuff. I mean, it was just like it was a vacation. Anybody know? What I'm you can go back to the same place and probably never duplicate that. But it was a vacation, and, man, it just meant something. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Anybody there? See how easy that stuff is to talk about? That, that's all is that, that that's our story. It's an amazing experience. But when we came back, we told stories about it. We we showed pictures to people of our vacation. I, I know somebody's starting to connect. Let me tell you something. You ain't gotta go on a vacation. How many of you in here, grandparents? How many of you in here are grandparents and you have never shown anybody a picture of your grandchildren? You raise your hand, you're you a lying dog, Mr. Sam. Put your hand down. You couldn't wait. You know what? I got called out on it the other day. I didn't realize I was doing it. Amanda's not due until mid-July. And I was showing somebody a picture of a sonogram. And they pointed me out on it. You know, things that happen in our lives, things that, that, that we're excited about. It's easy to, to tell those things. I'll give you another one. When we come back, 
How many of you have ever asked them, do you want to see pictures of my vacation? Don't raise your hand. You tell them a straight-up story. You said, let me show you my pictures. You didn't ask them if they wanted to see. Something happened. Something was amazing. Something you wanted to share. Something you experienced that you wanted to try to relay it over. And even though your story couldn't begin to touch the emotion that you felt there, even though your pictures couldn't begin to describe the distance of the mountains or the beauty of the waterfalls or the sound of the whitewater rapids, even though it didn't do it justice, you still had to show them everything about it. We, we've all been part of a mountaintop experience, and we want to try to share that joy with others. But for the truly redeemed, the greatest thing that ever happened in our life is the day we got saved. It's an experience that we're never going to forget. All things are passed away. All things have become new. We are new creatures in Christ. We want to try to tell other people, but the truth is a lot of times we're clueless. A lot of times we're nervous. I don't know why. We tell them about the best thing that ever happened to us, but yet, yet we're nervous. We, we've experienced Jesus, and we've chosen to follow him, but, but now what? What, what? what do we do? Well, when we trust Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, we have received this incredible power of the Holy Spirit. And it is that power that is within us that not only helps us correct some former vocabulary and take some adjectives out of our sentences. It's not just the Holy Spirit in us that helps us think better thoughts. And, and to be honest, instead of tearing someone down in our mind, we spend time praying for that someone in our mind when we think about them. But the Holy Spirit, when he works in us, he, he begins to, to tell us how that we can tell other people about what happened to us. What if they don't want to hear it? Well, we didn't ask them that about our vacation. We just have an incredible experience when, well, let's just move on. Yeah. The truth is, the world doesn't want to hear about your salvation experience. You ready? You ready? This is free. They don't want to hear what you've got to say any more than you wanted to hear it the day before you got saved. I shouldn't have even said you, me, we. And anybody ever get invited to church? Anybody try to get you to come? Anybody try to tell you about salvation before you got saved? They, they don't want it any more than we wanted it before we got saved. But they need it just as much as we needed it before we got saved. And because the difference that we see that it made in us, we just want to see it in them. Today's world, people are, are desperate. There's a, lot, there's a lot of bad stuff going on. Anybody say amen? Pe people are desperate. They need some kind of help. They need some kind of hope. They need some kind of light, some kind of something to, to lift them up, a, a new hope, a new excitement. People need a new chance. A lot of people feel like they're so lost, they're so buried, they're so down in the dumps, they'll never get out. They just, they need some kind of new opportunity. And, and people are looking, the world is this dark and dreary place with all this going around. What they need to see is the light that is within us. We, we were full of darkness, but, but darkness and light can't coexist. When the light comes on, darkness what? Got to go. 
When the light is on, darkness has got to flee. There's a dark world that just needs to see the light of Christ in us. I've preached on this a lot of times, I know, but it's so true. All we have to do is tell our story. There is not a greater story in this book than your story. There is not a greater miracle in this book than the miracle in me that this one right here, lost, separated from God, deserving of hell, is going to heaven. There's not a greater miracle in the book than the miracle that's happened in you and I. There's not a greater story to tell than the story that we have. It is our story. We are looking at miracles. We look in the mirror at miracles. We look at something where God walked in, made all things go, made all things new, washed away all of our past, all of our guilt, all of our shame, all of our disappointment, set our feet upon a rock, wrote our name in the Lamb's Book of Life, and called us sons and daughters. There's not a better story in the book than your story. The miracles of the parting of the Red Sea, that ain't as big as taking a soul, pulling it out of hell, and putting it in heaven. The things that, the things that he did um, there to the Pharaoh to get it out, the miracles, it doesn't matter. Pull any of them out. There's not a story in the Word of God that is greater than the story that we have. We want to witness to people. And I know how you feel. I promise you I know exactly how you feel. I felt it, I felt it my whole life ever since I got saved. I don't know enough scriptures. I, I don't have enough memorized. What if they asked questions that, that I can't answer? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If we tell our story, they can't ask you anything that you don't know about your story. They may ask you some things about God you can't answer, but they, one thing they cannot deny, this is who I was. This is how I was. This is what I did. This is what I felt. This is what I said, and this is who I am. No one that knew you before that day knows you after that day can deny something happened. They, they may not, they may can argue about what, but they cannot deny that something happened. And even if they don't agree with your Jesus, even if they don't agree with your story, they can't change the fact and they can't take away the excitement that is in me that something happened in me. The truth is everybody in this place we, we've caused hundreds of people to have to look at pictures that they really didn't care if they saw or not. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just the truth. I'll go ahead and tell you. If you I'm, I'm going to show you a picture of a fish. I'm going to show you a picture of a deer. I'm going to show you a picture of a grand young and soon enough. And I'm not going to ask if you want to see it. Every one of us in this place has, has caused hundreds maybe even thousands of people to look at pictures. They didn't get up that morning going, oh, oh God, I hope today I get to see pictures of their vacation. I mean, we sent them to everybody we know. We sent pictures of some things to people we ain't talked to in 10 years. We're just trying to thank somebody else to tell because it meant so much to us that we just had to tell our story. The truth is we have the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we can't sit on that. We have a story to tell. Let me make it simple. We tell our story. Let's say you don't tell anything. Just invite somebody to the church. Don't, you you got to try to get it up. Just 
Just, just invite somebody to church. Just, just come and see. Just, just come and see what it's about. Just, just come and get close. That, that's what Jesus did when he called the disciples. He invited them to come and see. In the book of John, John was baptizing there at the Jordan River. He said in chapter 1 and verse 29, the next day John said, Jesus coming unto him, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Two of John's disciples wanted to know where Jesus was staying. Jesus said, Come and see. Jesus called Philip, and he said, Follow me. Philip went to Nathaniel, and he told me, So we have found the Messiah. We found the Christ. It is Jesus of Nazareth. Nathaniel said in John 1:46, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said, Come and see. Come and see. Don't just tell people about what happened. Invite people to, to come and see and invite them to, to come in. We're not filled with the Holy Spirit just to keep this to ourselves. This is ours to share. Jesus said, freely you have been given, freely give. We are given an abundance of the Holy Spirit. And the more we give out, the more we get. Haven just sang the song. They just, they just, they just talked about that song. Are, are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Anybody relate to that song? Got some friends? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. <laughs> That's all we got to do. Do you feel that empty feeling? Because shame's done all the stealing. Anybody, anybody hear the devil trying to steal your joy? Anybody hear the devil trying to tear you down, rob your life, take away the things that bring joy in our life? Are you desperate for some healing? Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way when there ain't no way. Rising up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. I'm proof of that. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong. And his grace is free. <laughs> and the good news is I know that he will do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. That, that, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. Just tell the story of what he's done for us. It is the Spirit of God that works in us. Do you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The same Spirit of God that moved in creation is the same Spirit of God that moved into your life on the day you got saved. Is there anything that he can't do? The Holy Spirit is, is the leveler of men. He, he, he makes all things. We always talk about the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, and it is. It doesn't matter what level of sin you come from, how you want to call it. Sin is sin, is sin is sin, is sin is sin. God doesn't have big letter sin, little letter sin, capital letter sin, bold letter sin. God has sin. Sin is separation from God, and it is the blood of Jesus that erases sin. But it is the Holy Spirit that, that is the leveler of men. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. God doesn't just save the elect. God doesn't just save the smart or the dumb. 
Thank God he saves the dumb. I'm proud of that one. God, God doesn't just save the, the wealthy or, or the poor. God saves all men, but, but he uses all men. It doesn't matter how smart somebody is or, or how tough somebody is. It doesn't matter how much experience somebody has or, or how many resources or how much education. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus gave his life for us so that we can have life. It is the Holy Spirit that gave himself to us so that the Holy Spirit can now reach others through us. Michael Youssef, I'm, I'm not a fan, but I do like the quote. The power of the Holy Spirit is completely opposite to the world's power. The power of the Holy Spirit gives God's children the ability to serve his purpose for our lives. The Holy Spirit's power is unlike any other in the world. Only the power of the Holy Spirit can transform us, relieve our guilt, and heal our souls. It is the Holy Spirit that anoints us to do God's work. With God, all things are possible. Everybody believe that. God told us that in the Scriptures, that all things are possible. But he also said, without me, ye can do nothing. So I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. But without Christ, I can do nothing. That means with God, we can move mountains. Without God, we can't even move ourselves. With God, he says, we have the power to move heaven and earth. It is the prayer of a saint. It is the words of a sinner washed in the blood of the Lamb. It is the prayer of a child of God that moves the heart of God. That means it, it is our prayer that moves heaven and earth because the Holy Spirit prays for us. But without him, we're just sounding in brass and tinkling cymbals. R.C. Sproul the Presbyterian pastor, he says he is intangible and invisible. His work is more powerful than the most ferocious wind. The Spirit brings order out of chaos and beauty out of ugliness. He can transform a sin-blistered man into a paragon of virtue. The Spirit changes people. Anybody testify to that? The author of life is also the transformer of life. The truth is we can't even pray without the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Romans 8, 28, the Apostle Paul said, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Y'all know the deal, man. We ought to pray for Cadillacs. We're, we're praying for houses to be paid off. We're praying for something. We're praying for credit cards to be paid off so we can turn around and max out another one. We're, we're praying for stuff. We forgot all about Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these Things shall be added unto you. So thank God when we're praying, we got the Holy Spirit making intercession on our behalf. He says that we don't not to pray, should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Verse 27 says, He searcheth the hearts. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Oswald Chambers says, prayer is not logical. It is a mysterious, moral working of the Holy Spirit. The Father, through Jesus Christ, gave us salvation. The Father, through Calvary's cross, has given us forgiveness and redemption. The Father, through the empty tomb, which they've already taken down. Thank you, guys, for an incredibly fast, hard work. But the Father, through the empty tomb, has given us life. But the Father, through the Holy Spirit, has given us a purpose. Without a purpose, people are just aimlessly wandering. 
You know, it doesn't matter how good of a shot you are with anything. If you do not have a target, a bullseye, if you don't have something to shoot at, then you have nothing to hit. People need a purpose. As Christians, we have a purpose. The Holy Spirit doesn't just fill our hearts to, to, just to help us and to teach us and just to pray for us, but, but he does that so that he might guide us, so that he might use us. The, the Holy Spirit completes the oneness. I want to read a passage to you. He completes the oneness of, of the Trinity of God. Jesus prayed to the Father in John chapter 17. And, and he says as he's praying, he says, I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world. I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. And those that thou gavest me, I've kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have joy, have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray that thou shouldest take them out of the, not that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. They're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they might also be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone. You ready for your name in the Bible? but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. The glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. The truth is everybody has a purpose. Everybody has a sense of meaning. Every Christian has something to do. It is the Holy Spirit that guides us. It is the Holy Spirit that gives us direction. Do you want to know what our purpose is? You ready? Here it is in a nutshell. You ready? To represent God. Is that crazy? Is that anybody look in the mirror this morning and see anybody worthy of representing God? I saw a heathen. Same one I've known my whole life. But God said, doesn't matter. God says, I look at you through the blood, and all I see is my child. Every one of us, if we are Christians, the word is Christ-like. We are to represent Jesus Christ, to be in Christ's stead, to love others as Christ loves others, to be a blessing to others as Christ is a blessing to others, to let our light so shine among men that they may see our good works. That's impossible for any one of us to do outside of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible for anybody to do unless the Holy Spirit does it through us. The Holy Spirit has made it so, so that we know God, so that we may make God known. One of the greatest problems today is Christians trying to live too close to the world. One foot in church, one foot out. Slide a foot in on Sunday, most Sundays, sort of kind of Sundays, 
but slide a foot out wherever it needs to be. I'm, I'm just telling you, there's too many, too many people claiming to be Christians living like the world, trying, trying to part things out. That Can I tell you, that's not a new problem. A.B. Simpson, a Canadian preacher who's a theologian, born mid-1800s, died early 1900s. He wrote this in the early 1900s. The chief danger of the church today, this is in the early 1900s, right? The chief danger of the church today is that it's trying to get on the same side as the world instead of turning the world upside down. Our master expects us to accomplish results even if they bring opposition and conflict. Oh, Lord, have mercy. This needs to be written today. Anything is better than compromise, apathy, and paralysis. God, give to us an intense cry for the old-time power of the gospel and of the Holy Ghost. Early 1900s, they were already dealing with it. One foot in, one foot out. So, last week we celebrated Easter, Jesus Jesus died, Jesus rose, Jesus ascended into the heavens, the Holy Spirit came, you and I have been saved, thank you Jesus, forgiven of our sins, our, our name written, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, what now? Simple, the Bible says, go tell the world about Jesus. But, but where do we start, right? I mean, we, we, talked about, we, we talked about our story, tell our story. I mean, what if I can't quote scriptures? What if I can't answer questions? What if I don't know really how, how to get it in? When you tell your salvation story, you ought to be able to tell that with a passion that you can't ever forget. I will say this. You can't do what you need to do every day if you're not reading this book. This is just free. You, you can't. You don't even have to memorize this book. You just have to put it in. God says that he will recall. He can't recall what you've never put in. Can, 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 I, just, can I just try to help somebody real quick? Don't, don't overdo it. Don't, don't set yourself up for failure. You know why so many diets are dead by January 5th? Because they were too big of a drastic change on January 1st. It tries to be this whole new life all at once. It's not going to happen like that. And people say, but I don't like to read. Join the club. I was president of the I Hate to Read Club in school. Can, can I just give you something free? I still don't like to read. I don't, I love reading this book, but it's not me. There's a Holy Spirit. You were excited about coming to church this morning. The Holy Spirit was excited about coming here. It's the Holy Spirit in us that, that makes us excited about getting around God's people. So, so let me just give you something. Just start, start at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Start at the four Gospels. And, and just read a little bit. If you don't like to read, don't set yourself up for failure. Just, just read a few verses. And just do it every day. If you're running out of time and you read five verses, praise God. Five is the number of grace. You got grace before you walked out of the door. Just establish a reading habit. 
But, but as you begin to, it is the Holy Spirit will begin to enjoy that. So you'll begin to want to read things. I don't like reading other books. I do those things because they're full of knowledge. They're full of wisdom. They're full of things that I need to know, and that's the only way to get them. But this book right here has everything we need to know. All of our hope. Everything that we need to share. Everything that we need to tell. So I'm just saying, if you don't have a, a daily Bible reading habit, start one today. You ought to have a devotion that ought to come up on your phone, right? You ought to have something comes up on your phone, reminds you every morning, read that daily devotion. Great place to start. Don't let anything supplement this. Don't let anything take the place of this. Praise God. Listen, I, I've got devotions that come in. I love them. I love them. I love Adrian Rogers, Charles Stanley. I mean, there's some great devotions that come in. I love those things, but that can't replace this. So, so I'm, I'm saying we, we have to read God's Word if we expect God to, to use us. I mean, this, is how, this is how we get to know more about God. Anybody want to know more about God? You want to know about God's personality? You want to know, you want to know about God's sense of humor? Just look at our own lives, right? God does stuff. You're like, man, you got an incredible sense of humor. I don't really find it all that funny, but thank you. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But, but if you, you want to learn some things uh, about God, you just read the book. He, he wrote us a, a letter that tells us those things. Let me give you another one. God never intended for us to do life alone. Not, not only did, did God make a helpmeet for the man that, that he shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and they twain shall become one flesh, but, but God expects us to do life with him, but God expects us to do life with the church. God, God gave us his word. His word is, is alive. It is our lifeline. It, it will never fulfill everything that God wants us to be without the word. I'll say this. I can't get past this. I'll get back to the message in a minute. Don't be frustrated if you read God's Word and you don't understand something. That's a good place to be. That's a good place to be. That means that we're learning something. If we knew it all, we wouldn't need to read it, right? And somebody quote from in the beginning to amen. Yeah, right. And then do it backwards. When you read the Word of God, you ought to expect to read something that you don't understand. You ought to expect to read things that, that, that maybe, maybe you don't. But, but what that does, that drives us to study. That drives us to learn. That drives us to want us to know things. But, but if, if we have questions, ask somebody. I got a phone number. Call me. I probably don't know the answer, and we'll study it together. I used to be upset, nervous about somebody calling and asking me questions. I don't know the answer to it. I learned I don't know the answer to most of them. So your questions that I don't know the answer to not only gets you to study, but it drives me to study, and I learn things that I didn't know. So, so don't, don't be frustrated by, by looking at things that, that you don't understand. Just study. And if you have questions, call a friend. Call a Sunday school teacher. Call a deacon. Call, call somebody that you want to you talk to because God not only gave us his Holy Spirit, he gave us each other. God gave us the church. This is the mystical body of Christ all together. Your relationship with Jesus Christ, that is yours and yours alone. But your walk with Christ can involve everybody. We can be encouraged by others or we can be 
an encouragement to others. We can be strengthened by others, or we can strengthen others. We, we can be helped by others, or God can use us to give help to others, even challenged by others. By the same token, we can challenge one another. We're created to walk in community. That's why we all have different gifts. That's why we all fitly join together, make up the body of Christ. None of us are the body. We're all a piece that we all come together. We're all here for each other. That's what the church is. If we are Christians, Christ-like, then we're to be there for each other. I mean, if we're going to be there, if we're going to be like Jesus, we've got to be there for other people. Jesus was there for the beggar. Jesus was there for the blind. Jesus was there for the leper. Jesus was there for the woman at the well. Jesus was there for the adulterous woman. Jesus was there for the multitudes on multiple occasions. So what we see is that Jesus was there, and, and that if we're supposed to be Christ-like, then, then that's us. Jesus, even after the resurrection, we read it there in the text this morning, he was with the two men as they walked on the road to Emmaus because they were upset. They, they needed answers, and he walked with them. He took time to even come a second time to help Thomas with his unbelief. Jesus took time to cook breakfast on the beach for the disciples because Peter said, I go a fishing, went back to an old way of life. Several of the apostles, several of the disciples went with him, and Jesus took time to have some fish and cook them up there on the beach. Jesus took time for people. Easter's over. Resurrection is complete. It would be awesome to see Easter Sunday morning crowds. You know, last Sunday morning right at the end, we left, and Dale had already gone to the hospital out there to be with Ron, and I left to go over there, and I, I went through the square, and First Baptist was letting out. And they had a crowd like we had. There was people everywhere. I turned the corner and went down by First Methodist, and, man, they had a crowd like we had. There was people everywhere. Everybody all dressed up in their Sunday's best. Man, it wouldn't, wouldn't it be awesome to have that every day? Oh, that's all free. <clears throat> but we have the Holy Spirit. What now? Well, the answer is simple. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That, that's what Jesus told us to do. That, that's what we're supposed to do. But, but what if I'm not ready for that? Well, if you're saved, you are. If you're saved, you're ready to be a witness. There's two things you need to do. One, you need to read this book, and the other is you need to pray. This book teaches us thing, and this prayer gives us communication with God. You know what prayer lets us talk to God? Reading the book lets God talk to us. So we need those two things. We need to, to put those things together. What, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do when, when the unclean came to him? What, what, what did he do when, when, the, when the prostitute came, when the sick came, when the lepers came? See, they didn't have to get it all together to come to Jesus. They had to come to Jesus to get it all together. See, you, you and I are the same way. So in the mornings we go to Jesus first. We don't go to Jesus to get rid of our burdens. I mean, we don't, we don't have to get rid of our burdens to go to Jesus. We have to go to Jesus to get rid of our burdens. We, we carry our things to God to give them to him, and, and he takes See, Jesus took, we do it in the play. I'm, I'm, I'm about done, I promise. We do it in the play. We have the Pharisees up here, and 
And, and Greg Brand does a good job when they come up. And, Kiddo, don't touch me. They're, they're filthy. They're dirty. The, the priest, the religious elite, they couldn't be touched by anybody that was dirty because it made them dirty. They couldn't be touched by anybody that was unclean because it made them unclean. Jesus came and reversed the law. Jesus came and reversed the order of the Old Testament so that when the unclean touches him, he doesn't become unclean. We become clean. He changed everything in the order. I read a story about a doctor. I'm, I'm done. Ben, you guys come on up. I'm not sure if this is a true story. It doesn't say. I, you'll see as I read it. I think it's probably a hypothetical story because it leads into the things about God. But the story says a compassionate doctor traveled deep into the jungle to provide medical care to a primitive tribe that was afflicted with a contagious disease. He has flown his medical equipment in. He has correctly diagnosed the problem, and the antibiotics are prepared and available. He's independently wealthy. He has no need of any kind of financial help or compensation from others. As he seeks to provide care, the afflicted refuse help. They want to take care of themselves. They want to heal on their own terms. Finally, a few brave men step forward to receive the care that's being freely provided by the doctor. For the doctor, this brings an incredible joy. He has left his own homeland, and he's come to this land of the sick and afflicted for one reason and one reason alone, and that is to restore them to good health. He has the knowledge. He has the resources. He has everything he needs to make them whole again. All he needs is for them to come to him and allow him to help them. This is why I think it's probably a hypothetical story. The more sick people that come, the greater the doctor's joy. It was the reason that he came. Christ does not get flustered and frustrated when we come and ask him for a fresh forgiveness or a renewed pardon with distresses and, and, and need and, and emptiness. That's the reason he came. It's what he came to heal. He went down to the horror of death and plunged out through the other side in order to provide a limitless supply of mercy and grace to his people. When you come to Christ for mercy and love and help in your anguish, anguish and perplexity and sinfulness, you're going with the flow of his own deepest wishes, not against him. God wants to use us to do for others what God himself has done for us. He wants to use us to reach someone. He used somebody to reach us. Somebody in here, did somebody lead you to the Lord? Somebody tell you about Christ? Was there somebody that led you to the Lord? Now he wants to use you to be the next step, to lead somebody else. That's what he put. I want to ask you, we'll just bow your head right where you are just for a minute. First and foremost, the most important question you'll ever be asked is, are you saved? Do you know that Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? If you trust him, do you remember the day? If you don't, today is the day. Today is the day you can ask Jesus Christ. You confess your sins with your own mouth. The Bible says it must be confession of your sins. Lord, I'm a sinner. And you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, forgive you of your sins, and save your soul. Without that, we're still lost. It is the blood of Jesus that forgives sin. It is the power of God. That, that washes it away and, and he writes our name in the Lamb's book of life. That old things do pass away. We become new creatures in Christ. And you can be saved right where you are today. It's not a cute little poem. It's surrendering your heart to God. Lord, I'm a sinner. I feel the drawing. I feel your presence. I feel the Holy Spirit. I just want to be saved. 
I just want to be forgiven of my sins. And I'm asking you, Lord, to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins and save my soul in Jesus' name. And you surrender your life to Christ. It's not lip service, it's life service. You surrender your heart and soul today, and the Holy Spirit will move in. He'll be that one that will help you, that will change you, that will guide you, that will direct you. So I don't know, maybe there's somebody in here, maybe there's somebody on live stream that got saved just now. Or maybe there's somebody in here you've been saved for years. It really doesn't matter. The question is the same for all of us. What now? The answer is never going to change. Go tell the world about Jesus. You know, it sounds so overwhelming, right? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Look at the map. It's a world map. And it sounds so overwhelming. Here's our simple commandment. Go tell the world about Jesus. Well, that sounds impossible, doesn't it? So let's look at it at the simplicity and the way it's meant. Whoever you meet today, whoever you work around, whoever, whoever is your neighbor, whoever is around you, that's your world. Whoever you talk to, that's your world. Whoever you know that's hurting, that's your world. Whoever you know around you that needs help, that's your world. Go tell them about Jesus. If God doesn't call you to a foreign country, that's not yours to go. If he doesn't put you in the mission field, you're not a missionary. But we're all missionaries in our own backyard. To tell the world about Jesus simply means to tell everybody we know about the good news and about what God's done for us. Amen. I want to ask you, you would stand where you are. If you want to pray for yourself, pray for others. Many in need, many that are sick. You want to ask God to help us, to make us more bold, to be more accountable, to give us strength. If you just want to come tell him thank you, the altar's always open. These guys are going to sing a song. We just take a few minutes.